A game of rugby takes 80 minutes. That's 4,800 seconds. But it only takes one to win a scrum, to steal a line out, make a break and score a try. One second for a hero to become a legend, for one team to become champions. And it's their line-out that creates the opportunities to score their tries, and that's exactly what happened. He goes wide, and he finds a winger. Oiderman, he's faster than a bald man's haircut. Oiderman, and he gets the try. What a heartbreaker. Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 94, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Hello, folks. Welcome to the MLR Kickoff. Dan Power with you alongside the professor, Pete Steinberg. And Pete, well, we got a little bit of clarity on the weekend. We have some teams officially out of the running for 2021. A couple else that are on the absolute brink of extinction. The meteor is crashing towards the T-Rex as we speak. But uh, a good weekend, a couple of surprising results, a couple of not so surprising results. But firstly, let me just get your thoughts on uh, your weekend. Yeah, I mean, it was so um, next weekend, I'm actually calling three games. So I'm calling three games. So I like I can't even do the pickums this week. It's like half half the half the game. Yeah. So so um, that meant that on uh, um, Sunday, my wife had um, early Father's Day. She's like, "You're not going to be home for Father's Day, so we'll do early Father's Day." And so Father's Day was supposed to be me watching England um, against Croatia in the Euros without yeah. the kids. That didn't yeah. happen. Um, it, it apparently involved my wife leaving for two hours to go shopping with me looking after the kids. So she did make breakfast and she did make dinner. Normally I cook. So, so, so it was there, but I ended up doing a lot of father's day stuff, hanging out with the family. So I am still catching up then on, on the games, but caught as much as I could. And, you know, we might have a couple of games here, Dan, that, that could be games of the season. So some, some weren't so good, but a couple of them were, were really, really high quality, well-contested games. Um, playoff quality, I would say. We are getting close. What we're what, getting close to the playoffs. What's your Father's Day meal? What do you? What's your go-to? What's your request on Father's Day morning for breakfast? I just, and I just request I don't cook it. Okay, like, you don't like, care. No, no, well, I mean, I mean, what I would like is English bacon, but it's just really hard to find. Yeah, Canadian bacon's the closest I've seen over here. Yeah, no, there's there's a there's a place called um, I think it's called Beeler's. And um, Alf Alphas that was just down further road from us used to have English bacon from Beelers. Mm-hmm. It was great. And then um, they just went out of business. So, so I can't get that and I can't find it anywhere. And there's a local butcher here that will cut it for you. But it takes like two months and you've got, the, it's, it's a minimum of a hundred dollar order because you pretty much you take up the whole loin. And yeah. so, so, so that's that, you know, every couple, couple of times a year that I do that. But, um, you know, it, I, I do think it's funny that on Father's Day and Mother's Day, like, what you end up doing is not being a father or a mother. It's sort of like go off and do, like, like do stuff on your own. But hey, it's the first time I got I got to watch the uh, English soccer team in in a championship with my with my daughter and my son. So how'd they do? That was fun. England won. Or are you talking about my kids? Oh, I know your kids do well, but England soccer. England won. England won. Played 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 pretty well. And they play Scotland on Friday, 
and I have an invitation from a Scottish friend to go to a Scottish bar to go watch that game. And I'm thinking that that's a bad idea for lots of different reasons. Oh, yeah. You're 50 now, mate. Got to take care of that liver. Can't do what you used to do. Bit of milk thistle. There you go. That'll fix you up. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, we're at, like um, Penelope's four. She's getting into activities today. She had rugby. Yeah, how's that going? Like practice. Yeah, she loved it. And, you know, she goes to the Superior Rugby Club. And, uh, you know, I, I, I talked to the coaches today. I said, you know, I, I, I've coached a little bit. Would you like some help? <laughs> what are you supposed to say? You literally uh, can't help yourself, though. I can't go a weekend without you coaching me every... Yeah, no, I wouldn't actually put your bag in that part overhead. You want to actually turn it 45 degrees. No, that's right. That's, that's right. That's going to be more offensive. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> coach, the professor strikes again. Poor Penelope. Um, but I have to a big shout out to the coaches that um, Penelope, like she's been to two practices and she loves it more than any activity. And if you're going to coach youth rugby, the most important thing, the number one thing is the kids enjoy it because that's yeah. what the into the game, right? And so she loves it. It was 100 degrees, Dan. It was like, it I was, was hot today. It was hot today. <laughs> All right, let's, let's just heap a, a bunch of pressure on young Penelope's shoulder. What World Cup will be her first World Cup? Well, she's, I mean, she's already been to a, a Women's World Cup. Is that what No, no, doing? she's playing. I wanted to play. 33, oh. is that too soon? Um, Youngest ever Women's Eagle? So, so um, 29, right? Um, um, that's, that, that's too early. Uh, 33? Yeah. Young? 12 years, so she'll be 16. 16. Give her another four years. Wait until she's 20. So yeah. 37. There you have it. 2037 World Cup. Who's she going to play for, though, Pete? Oh, she'll she'll play for the US. Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to say England. I'm like, oh, you cheer for the English soccer team. How much more obnoxious can you be to make your daughter play for them as well? That's just torture. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very much on the... Uh, um, uh, on on the on the on, on the US bandwagon. I mean, I mean, I hope, I'm hopeful by then because it'll be after the US have hosted both the men and the women. So the women in 20, um, 29 and the men in thirty one, and they'll probably be hopefully a pro women's league in in the US. Although I, I have to be honest, Dan, and and this might make me a bad parent. I don't want my daughter to be that good at anything. Like when you when you when you're that good at anything, you got to make sacrifices. And then yeah. there's repercussions. I would prefer her to be good enough to make a team, but not the best player. And that way she can play lots of sports and she doesn't have to make those commitments. She doesn't destroy her body, you know. So I'd be fine if she doesn't play for the US. Yeah, trust trust me. Like we travel a lot for this, Pete. And when you check into a hotel at 11.30 at night on a travel day and all the parents from the travel sports teams are still in the bar drinking, they're in there for a reason because... It's a, it's a big commitment. So, well, let's keep moving on. That banter, as always, brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by the Rugby Shop. Great supporters of the show. Great supporters of the league. What have they got running this week, Pete? So, so you can still, like, like, you know, you can still get your Pride Month stuff for your team. And um, they still have the salute the troops. But um, shopmlr.com, we're, we're looking for what's next. But it looks like they do it monthly, Dan. So... Right now, we're in the um, 2021 Inclusion Collection. Very good. Very good stuff, Pete. All right, let's jump into the weekend's games, kicking things off. NOLA, DC, NOLA on the road. Must win game to keep their season alive here, and they do it. 
25-21 over DC. Have you had a chance to sit down and watch this one yet? I'm not going to put you under fresh if you haven't seen it yet because you had a, a brute, an early Father's Day. Yeah, um, so so I've watched some of this game and um, I think it's – like this NOLA team, like they had no right of winning this game, right? So they, um, they lost their uh, – um, Kyle Bailey and Cole Meyer, so two starters um, on Thursday. And mm-hmm. then during the warm-ups – they lose their fly half. Like, this is, this is like their sixth fly. Like, they had to call Kane Thompson, the coach, to put him in, in, on the list. And they also lose their starting um, uh, hooker. Oh, cool. So, like, there's no way, no way they should have won this game. And, you know, old Gloria getting healthy, right? It's um, Mungo Mason is back. Um, Threaten was back. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's one heck of a try. Um, they played with Dubulis at 10 and Robertson at 12, and I think that worked. But Old Glory just couldn't hold on to the ball. 15 turnovers, right? The, the Dan Power stat comes yeah. again. And, yeah, and, and Nola Gold have become a not-explosive attack with a very good defense. He's done is- a good job, Nate Osborne. I think, I, I think he may have been at the point in the warm-ups like – what size boots do you wear, Timothy? I may, I may have to borrow those. Good player, Nate. Back in back back in the day, back in he the was day, a really good player. So, um, but uh, that's a huge win for Nola because their season now stays afloat. They, they've got a really tough run, but boy, it'd be a great story if they can pull it off. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, and there are some things like so. I think Cano Dirksen had his probably his best game. He was a little edgy. Right, mm-hmm. he was involved. There was some, there, there were some little hand, there were some handbags in this game that I think Dirksen was part of. But, but they were playing with, with um, an edge, and I think that was that was really important for them. And they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to keep doing that. They just like, like they're, they're basically now, they're like a, like you wouldn't believe this, but they're kind of like Seattle. They play a territorial game. They've got a very, very good set piece. They've got a very good defense. And they grind out scores. Yeah, yeah, they do. It'll be interesting. We'll, we'll talk about what they've got in front of them this weekend, though. All right, up next, Toronto went on the road to Austin. Austin's last home game for the year. And uh, I believe it is now the record for attendance for an Austin home game throughout their history of all their uh, iterations of herds and elites and Gilgronies and AGs. And so that was a great way to send off. What do you think of this one, Pete? You know, um, I think Austin might be coming into form. Like they've had a good defense, they've had a good set piece, but they haven't been able to score. They've moved, moved Kurt Morath from 12 to 10. And I think that's opening up their attack a little bit. Um, you know, um, we'll hear from Domikino a little bit later, but he had a great game. Um, Cam Dodson probably had his game of the season. Um, you know, I think that, you know, we have to recognize, you know, we talked about injuries for um, for uh, um, Nola, but Austin's another team that's really been hurt with injuries and and, and they're getting a little healthier. And, um, you know, uh, Elan Pudek, I mean, we've seen him. He's a he's a an, an original, right? He's an yeah. Austin original. Um, and, you know, he played scrum half, fly half and fullback. And, you know, without injuries, I think he would be an eagle. 
but those injuries have really slowed him down. It's good to see him back. So I think for Austin, I think this, you know, they're behind. We'll talk about this later. They have to make up some ground, but they look really good in that game. That's probably the best I've seen them play because Toronto is not a bad team. Toronto had, you know, um, De La Vega back. Um, you know, they, they actually played pretty well. You look at the stats, it's it's pretty close, but the power stat, 13 turnovers to Toronto, six turnovers to um, Austin, that is, yeah. you know, that was, I think, you know, one of the big things, which is sort of unusual because you when you think about De La Vega and Rumble in particular, they're so good at the breakdown. Um, yeah. Rumble really didn't look like he was at his best or at least didn't he cut like his hair very much. I'm he telling cut you. Samson. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's 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 my turnover next version of my turnover stat. Players with good hair cut it off. Career's over. Sorry, sorry, Lucas. But uh, yeah, good win for Austin. They continue on and stay in the hunt in the West Coast. Now this next one, Pete, this had huge implications for the Western Conference. San Diego go to Utah, forty-one to twenty-four at the sixty-sixth minute. Utah win forty-five forty-one. And that, you would think, just slams the brakes on the San Diego Express. So, so I, you know, there, there are two teams that you don't bet against at home, and it's Utah and New England, right? Because they, they're, they're so good at home. And, you know, I think I may have called Utah last, last week, but when I went and I looked at the pack, and I looked at San Diego's pack, and I looked at Utah's pack, I said, San Diego have the edge. Right. And so I switched my pick to San Diego and that was the right call. But what, what I didn't think about was the bench. Right. And I think that the bench for Utah came off and made such an impact in that mm-hmm. second half. Like, and, and it's interesting to look at how um, Marlon at tight head starts at tight head and McClellan sometimes like they're basically interchangeable. And Angus McClellan in that second half in the scrum made a big difference. Right. And I think that, you know, I think that the bench had a bigger impact for Utah. And I think that was the difference. San Diego had penalty issues that they were struggling with. Um, JP Peterson missed some kicks. I thought they tried to manage the game. Right now, you know, you, you say, well, I mean, was it, were they at seven, was it 17 points with 20 minutes to go? Is that what it was? 41 24. Right. Yeah. So, so 17 points, right? And so, you know, you're kind of managing it, but there was one kick in particular that, like, you know, so, you know, um, Joe Peterson often plays fullback for San Diego. Um, they're up 17. Joe Peterson gets the ball back. It's about on his 10-meter line, and he returns the kick. And I look, and there's four Utah players ready for the kick return. Yeah. He wasn't kicking the space, right? And he could have run it and got to the halfway line and manipulated the back three. And so that just seemed a little premature. San Diego had those off, they, like they should have played their way to the end and not just said to Utah, we're going to give you the ball and let you play your way to the end. Yeah, I, he kicks it down. Mika Cruze gets it. And I look yep. up, I look at the chase, they, they pull out and you look at the San Diego jerseys and I'm like, nope, that yep. is not the kick chase you want with this guy. Yep. And what's he do? He finds his buddy, Mikey Teo. They shred him up, they score. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. And this Utah, so, so big shout out to Kimball Carr, right? And Brandon Sparks to have put this team together because that's really where you get the bench. And, you know, there's a, a guy that, you know, I've called a, the, the last couple of Utah games and um, 
you know, people have talked to me and they've been, you know, they've said, you know, who would your man of the match be? And Yuri Van Vuren is playing at number eight. Like, so just to talk through, you know, he's 13 ball carries, right? Um, 12 tackles, 30 ruck arrivals, lead the team. Nine opposition ruck arrivals is one of the first three. Every 30 ruck arrival is like, this is, this is a guy that's playing really, really well. You don't see it like, and, and it happened again in, um, you know, so they, they won at the, uh, at the death against Seattle. Long throw by Chad Goff to the back of the line out to Van Buren. Happened yeah. again in this game. Long throw to the back by Chad Goff to Van Buren. Like that's a, that's a connection. That's a hard throw under pressure. Um, and, and they're connecting really well. So, so, you know, disappointing for San Diego. And, and, and to be honest, disappointing a little bit for the league because if San Diego would have won, it would have kept the excitement going a little bit longer. But this Utah team dug deep and it's going to be important for them, Dan, because they're going to lose some players. They lose both scrum halves. Hurst was just called up to the Canada um, uh, team, right? Yeah. So they're, they're not going to have any scrum halves in those two games in July. Well, the good thing is they have a buy in that bracket, Pete. They have so, one buy. That's right. Yeah. So it's not... It is bad. Obviously, losing two nines is going to be bad. But, uh, yeah, shout-out to DJ Yuri. Going well. Has to do an opening song. Remember we asked Aston Fortane if he could get him on? I'm going to have to hit Yuri up and be like, mate, get, get on the ones and twos. Mixes up a little, you know, a little remix with Pete's voice. The presser. Like something like that, you know, something cool. And then we'll we'll get it going. All right. Atlanta, New York. This one was a great game as well. Like, you mentioned finals rugby. This one just reeked of, like, finals rugby when I'm watching it. I'm like, ah, the, the desperation from both the sides. It ends at 31-24. What were your thoughts on this one? Well, the uh, um, power stat works out well. 19 turnovers by Atlanta, nine turnovers by Rugby United. And we actually chatted with this, you know, Yumi and, and um, Stats Boy were, were on a bit of a group chat. And we, we chatted about this. The challenge with the defense that Atlanta plays is there's no cover lines. Right. So um, because they're a straight up defense, what has to happen is the back three has to rotate really hard. So normally it's the fullback that's actually covering the last player, which means that blindside wing. So you only have two defenders that can come across. Right. So you have the nine and you have the blindside wing and that's it. So if you make a break through the middle against these guys, you score. And that's what you saw with New York. They were super efficient. Right. They made their breaks and they scored. They made their breaks and they scored. Well, Atlanta had to work a lot harder, right? So Atlanta had, you know, almost like 40% more carries. They had um, 40 more tackles. Like New York, this, you know, with LA and Utah, we might see the four top defensive teams in the league make the playoffs because both of these teams are really, really good defensive teams. Yeah, it was, it was a big territorial game too, which again, tactically... It was a really well-coached game from both sides of being patient, playing territory. And you could, you often see when you get into that kicking battle, you get a player who's kind of like, oh, I'm going to run it. And it's the wrong decision. That's kind of what you're trying to force them into doing is making a bad decision and run a ball back that they shouldn't be. Both sides were very, very patient with their kicking, working the territory. I thought New York kind of did an Atlanta to Atlanta in terms of like, hey, we'll, we'll give you the ball. Yeah, we'll give you the ball. We'll just we're just going to give it to you all the way down there and we're going to yeah, smash you. That's right. um, and yeah, so I don't... And, and just, just a shout out to your boy, Harry Bennett, 
who is oh, continuing, yes. right? Continuing to demonstrate that he's a quality MLR player who hasn't had the opportunity the last couple of years. Like, you know, so I think he got 80 minutes this, this time. And, and then the other thing for New York, which I think is remarkable, is like they lose Andy Ellis, like 27 minutes in to an injury. And if, yeah. you, say, you, know, if you said that to me, oh, I'd be like, rugby ATL wins. But we've seen Connor McManus do this before. He's a quality player, right? And he brings a different kind of energy, but he really works hard. And I thought he played really well coming off the bench early. You remember in the movie Gladiator where Maximus is just carving up everyone in the Coliseum and they have to bring back the retired Gladiator who was undefeated? Yeah. Yep. Mike Petri. How you doing, buddy? What are you up yeah. to? Just kidding, Peaches. They won't do it to you, mate. Stay, they, stay they on might. our side of the field. Don't go back out there. Trust me. You don't want to go back out there. Yeah, there, there is something when, when you step across the line, Dan, you, you know this. You step across the line and then you look back on the pitch and you're like, I used to do that? Like yeah. that looks too physical. Like, like it's just really weird when you make that break and you look, you're like, you start to shudder once you step away from the game. Well, now I run around with the kids in the backyard for 10 minutes. I wake up and feel like I used to feel when I played 80 minutes. So I can just imagine <laughs> any thought of doing that again would just be put to bed immediately. Right. All right, moving on. Seattle, New England, up in New England. Free Jacks undefeated at their stadium at Union Point. They get this one done at the death. Seattle. How about Seattle losing two games in a row, like in the final? Like Utah was literally after the 80th minute. This one was pretty much at the 80th minute. 25-21. I walked away from this one really impressed with the improvements of what Seattle have done up there. And uh, brighter days ahead for Seawolves. Well, I mean, I think this is another one that comes down to the bench, right? So, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting. I, I remember... Um, talking to J.P. Smith when he was forced into fly half, I think, in year two for a couple of games and played really well. And he was like, I'm not a fly half, I'm a scrum half. But I don't know. He might be a fly half. Like that left-footed boot and him and Alatimu, I mean, it's a stroke of genius by Alan Clark to be able to pull together this team. But it feels like, to me, that Clarkie has a 15 that can really do it but doesn't have a 23. Right, he's trying to find guys that can do that. Yeah, I agree hundred percent because they lost their way when the changes started to come in, yeah. and it was an overthrown lineout. Yeah, basically, Seattle had the ball; they could have just run the clock out. Overthrown lineout goes to guess what? Another former player, Billy Tolitaro, who steams yeah. through, and then boom, they score. Uh, you know, a so player it's, or two it's, later. It's, so I'm I'm excited. I'm 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 really excited about what what Seattle are doing. But man. Um, you know, another good move is, you know, that Ryan Martin has done is, is moved Waka to 10. Like, he just can be so creative. It, it gets the ball in his hands a little bit more. Um, so I think, I think it was really good. However, Dan, I've got some bad news for you. Oh, man, I need to work out what this looks like as a percentage. Because New England had 14 turnovers and Seattle had 11. So the power stat may not actually be... Per carry. Up. I need per carry. I know. It has to be per... So per carry, it's pretty close. I'll take per it. Per carry, it's, 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 it's pretty close. So, um, you know, I think what's, what's, what's interesting for me is that New England are really generating some line breaks, right? They had, 12, well, they had nine line breaks in this game, which, which is good. I mean, Joe Johnston, that guy is just... He's, he's, he's like... He's everywhere. How, right? how good is he? How he's, good is he? 
Okay, we we heard that you know he he declined uh, an invitation to to play for the USA because you still got some aspirations to play Super Rugby, and we've seen with Tony Lamborn once you get capped for another country, it can make things a little difficult getting a roster spot. Um, and you kind of like oh. he would be you you would you would imagine that if he was available, he he would oh, be. I, that's back. why when I didn't see his name, I was kind of like, okay. what's the deal there? But then you know. At, at first thought, I'm kind of like, oh, it's kind of brave. But watching him play the last couple of weeks, I'm like, is it really? I mean, he's a super rugby player. Yeah, he is a super rugby player. Across the board, he's big enough, he's physical enough, he's athletic enough, and he's got a huge engine. He's, he's just... Yeah, I, he's I, think, just I think the challenge is, for a lot of these guys, is there's just a lot of super rugby players in New Zealand. Right. Yes. So yes. There's there. a lot of them, right? You can be a super rugby player and be in number three on the depth chart. Because there's a lot of good super rugby guys in in, in New Zealand. You know, there, there are a number of guys over here, Dan, that that you know play um ITM, right? They yep. they play the the pro level below super rugby, and it is because they're maybe a couple of inches too short, there may be a step not like like they you know, maybe they're not as good defender. There, there are reasons like that. But there are some guys that are here just because there's too many good guys over there. I mean, I was down there and spent some time with Canterbury. And I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but yeah. there was a scrum half. That was when Andy Ellis was coming up. And there was a scrum half down there that was their starting scrum half. And his pass wasn't very good. And I was talking to the coaches. I'm like, well, you're going to work with him. And they're like, nah, there's, there's a bunch of other scrum halves that we could get if like, he has to work on it himself. Like, there's just so much depth that they don't even have to work with their players. They just get the next guy playing club rugby to come and yeah. play ITM. So, so, you know, it's, it's, but you're right. I think, I think as a quality player, we've seen MLR be a shot window for those guys in super rugby. And so it, I'd be surprised if Joe Johnson doesn't get a, uh, um, um, a spot. And, you know, Jason Robertson got um, a two-year contract at Narbonne. So this is last year at DC. Mm. Yeah. yeah we need to talk about that. And, you know, Narbonne just, which is a big club in France. They just went up from, um, that third tier, it's called, I can't remember, National yeah, One. Up to D2, up, right? Up, up to D2. But they're all three of, like, deep, like the uh, um, top 14 and Pro 2 are all full-time professional. And I think even National One is, is now... Federal One? Is that Federal One, that? right. Yeah. Federal One. I think they even want that to be full-time professional. It is now called National, yeah. which was the former Federal One. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Well, I was I, right. I don't keep up on Except my third division French rugby. That's right. Yeah, yeah. New Zealand, great place. You ever been to New Zealand, Pete? Yep, I have. Where'd um, you go? Didn't I just tell you where I, I spent two weeks with Canterbury? Canterbury oh, is in New you're Zealand. Canterbury. You should you should tell people about that. I should. <laughs> Love you, Professor. All right, last game. This one uh, won't take as long to break down because uh, fifty-two to five, LA over Houston. Pretty much saw this I mean, one look, coming, didn't we? It, well, I mean, I think this is. You know, it's 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 the LA Blitz again, right? They they had a weekend off. They got healthy. Um, I don't think people. I don't think you can underestimate the value of Glenn Bryce at fifteen, right? Not just because you had to move people around, but you know, this is we haven't seen this pack play together for a little while. So they they came out, you know, firing against the Houston team that you know is is struggling, but. You know, it's 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 interesting because, um, you know, I always go to the LA's defense, right? Houston really couldn't get stuff going. 
Um, you know, they made, LA was a 90% tackle rate, um, which was, you know, really, really good. They were able to pressure the set piece of Houston, right? Houston really struggled to win their scrums and lineouts. I mean, it was just a really, really good performance by um, LA. But we saw this before, right? And, and I think Darren Coleman has to, you know, now it's about sustaining it, right? So they came out for three or four games, they blitzed everyone, and then they got stuck a little bit. And so I think staying healthy for LA is going to be the same for everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. All right. With those results in mind, let's talk a little playoff implication now. As of today, there are two teams that are eliminated in Houston and Seattle. Yep. Cannot make the playoffs. We look at Toronto and Old Gore is, is not too far behind them in, in probably, I think Toronto can be eliminated this weekend. If, no, if, I think, so if they I think, lose. I, and, the, I, I would say that like, maybe not mathematically eliminated, but things aren't going to happen for Old Glory in Toronto. Like people are going to get points above them, even if it's just like bonus points. So you can, you can eliminate Old Glory in Toronto, maybe not mathematically, but in reality. Let's go with the first one. Let's go to the West Coast, because I think we can almost say San Diego, maybe not. I think, they're I they're not in that boat going, yet, but they're close. They're I, 10 points behind Utah right now. Right, so they're 10 points behind. They've got four games to go. Um, you, you look at Utah's schedule, right, and it's not easy. Um, except for their game against the um, against the Sabercats, which is at the Sabercats. Um, but you say, like, Utah's going to win that game, yeah. right? So, so you say Utah wins that game, so that's at least four points. So now they're 14 points behind. Their last two games are against Rugby ATL and the Giltinis. Um, one of those, that first one against Rugby ATL is um, with the Eagles, but the ATL have Eagles missing two. So you can say, all right, they may not win that. But that last game against the Giltinis, the Giltinis are going to be like resting for the playoffs. So I can see two e relatively easy wins for Utah. So I think it's going to be very, very difficult for, or, or, I mean, I think San Diego's out. I don't think, I don't think like, again, mathematically it's fine. But even if Utah picks up like, you know, wins, if they win one game and pick up a bonus point in their other games, San Diego can't catch them. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. They're not out of it, but after the weekend, you're like, oh, that, that's, a, that's a tough path now. So let's talk about the playoffs then. So that leaves us with LA. Now, no team can clinch this weekend as well, just on the other side of the coin. There's no team that can mathematically clinch just yet. We're getting really close on the LA side of things. But LA, Utah, Austin, squeeze those three into two for me. So um, Austin have, I think, a slightly easier run, right? So um, they also have a buy in one of the Eagle weekends, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, but they have Seattle, they have San Diego, and those are both away. But, mm -hmm. but they're, they're all away for the rest of the year, right? So San Diego, you would think. You know, it's that's going to be a hard game. You know, like a lot will depend, but I think San Diego might be looking to next year. Seattle's already looking to next year, and they finish with Old Glory, right? And we know that Old Glory's out, so they're they're playing three teams that, um, you know, are, are 
probably not going to be, be making the playoffs, and it'll be interesting to see how their selections are for that. And then they play the Giltinis on the 10th, right, mm-hmm. which will be an interesting game, right, for the Giltinis, for um, uh, Darren Coleman to decide how he wants to select against that, right? Yeah. So I, I think Austin have an easier run. I think I could see Austin winning all four games, right? So if Austin wins all four games, then it's going to come to end and Utah lose one game, it's going to come down to bonus points. If Austin wins all four games and Utah lose two games, then Austin goes through. So, so you know, Austin have to win one more game and win the bonus point battle than Utah in the run-in. Yeah, because they lose the tiebreaker. They've lost Utah twice right. uh, if things get tight there. All right, East Coast, four teams into two. ATL, New York, New England, NOLA. Squeeze them for me, Peter. So this one to me is is a little bit more challenging, right? I, I agree. I, I feel think- like I feel like there's one dark turn left in the Eastern Conference that no one's going to see coming. Well, let's let's take each team, right? So um, ATL, the next two weeks are playing at home against Houston and Old Glory. Right, so they can they can stretch out. My concern about ATL, right, is their ability to sustain. But they have those two games, and then they have a bye week, mm-hmm. right? And so and so to me, they win those two games, then they have a bye week, and then they play the Warriors on the tenth. That's going to be a huge game for both teams. That's a pretty good run in for them. And then they've got to play the Free Jacks, and there may or may not be anything on that by the time you play the Free Jacks. That's the interesting one because that could be a game where New England have to win to get in, and if Atlanta are already in at that point, oh, that's Scott right. Lawrence can sit back and be like, play. "Right, yeah, do we want to play New England or New York or Nola in the final, depending on what happens here in the next couple of weeks?" Uh, ATL are an interesting. Yeah, that that Utah game could be the one that dictates playoffs on both conferences, which is interesting, right? That that's going to be a really good game to watch. Yeah, so, so um, New York don't have a bye the first weekend in like the July 4th weekend, right? So they're, they're going all the way through. They've got mm-hmm. Utah this weekend. That's going to be a huge game for both. Then they're playing Toronto. you got to think that they're going to win that game. Then they have the Free Jacks on mm-hmm. the July 4th weekend. That's going to be a huge game. Then they play the Sabercats, right? That's a game that they can win. So two games, I think, I, I wouldn't call them gimmies. But two games, two games where they're heavily favored, and they finish with Nola, right? That's and so, yeah, like that's so the two games that they're going to win, which is good, and then the others are, are, are you know, in in MLR they're toss ups, okay? Yeah. So Atlanta are winning two games, then then a couple of tough games. Um, New York are winning two games, but then they have three tough games. They've got a game in hand, right? Um, so let's look at the Free Jacks, right? And the Free Jacks, I feel like, are going to have a say, but may not end up in there, right? Because they get to play NOLA, they yep. get to play Rugby United New York, and they get to play yep. ATL. Yeah. But so, even if they beat them... They still it, need help in other places. They're they, far like, enough behind where if they win their other games, and then, it, yeah, they need New York or ATL to drop another one of those games somewhere. Yeah, so so this is where, remember, both of those have two games. So ATL um, have uh, 
two games that we think they're definitely going to win. New York think they have two games and then toss-ups. And the Free Jacks would need basically one of those teams to not win any of the other games. Yeah. Right? Only win two games. And then, so ATL would have to win two games or lose two games. Um, New York would win two games, lose, lose the other three. And then Free Jacks would have to run the table. And the Free Jacks control one of those games against both those sides. Right. So they play ATL and they play New York. So then they need that other one to pop up somewhere. Yeah, right. Now, this is MLR 2021, Dan. Like, we can't yes. make any predictions. Yeah, I know. Um, so, so, you know, NOLA's tough because they're just away a lot, right? So they, they're away at Toronto. Um, I think, you know, Toronto are going to be looking to next year. I think that's a game that, that NOLA win. But then they have the Free Jacks and they have the Giltinis, right? And they don't get a break, right? So the Giltinis on the July 4th weekend, the, you know, I don't know if the Giltini, the Giltinis could be in the playoffs by then, but I think it's too early to kind of take your foot off the break. If you're the coach, right? You're, you're, you know, you want to keep things going. Um, and so I think that that's going to be really tough. They're away at Seattle. It's a long trip. Um, you know, Seattle are improving and then they're away at Rugby United New York. Now, Nola might get there, but I'm looking at this and I would say, you know, Toronto and maybe Seattle are gimmies. So they're, they're again on the two, but they really, again, they have to run the table and hope that ATL or um, Rugby United New York only win two of their final games. Mm-hmm. Now, they have a game in hand, right, over ATL. So and over the free jack, so that 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 helps them. So they maybe they, you know, um, ATL can win three of their final four. But I think if, no, if ATL win three of their final four, even with even with that game, like because of the bonus points, they're just not going to be able to catch up. So you know they need ATL um, to um, only win two, and they need Rugby United New York only to win two. New York beating ATL on the weekend hurt New England. And Nola. Yeah, no. I mean, I mean, both of those guys were like, we want ATL to be runaway winners, and we want yep. to bring the- happy with second place. Just right. keep New York okay. close, and then yeah, then run. All right, uh, let's 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 move on. Let's move on to our player of the week. Been excited to talk to this cat for a while, Pete. I've, I've been super impressed with his play, and uh, as we find out, pretty good story too in in his very very short rugby career. So let's bring him into the show, Dom Akina. Player of the Week from the Austin Gilgronies. All right, joining us now is Player of the Week from the Austin Gilgronies, Dom Akina. Dom, firstly, welcome to the show, brother. First time having you on. It's an absolute privilege to have you on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. It's uh, one of my goals is to be on here one day. <laughs> hey, mate, it's listen, you're not alone. Yeah, a lot of A-listers contact me all the time. You know, I, was, I spoke to Sir Anthony Hopkins, uh, George Clooney, like, uh, Julia Roberts texts me once a week saying, get me on the show, Dan. But uh, I said, Julia, go and play number eight for Austin and kill it and you will uh, get on the show. Right? So, tell us a little bit about your story first. We've got you on here, so we'll get the, the fans a little bit of the Dom Aquina story. Now, you, you've got the football background, grew mm-hmm. up on Hawaii, but fill in everything from there to, to playing for uh, the AG Rugby now. Yeah, so originally from Hawaii, uh, moved out to LA for a bit and then uh, moved back to Hawaii and my grandma actually moved to Oregon so that's how I actually resided in Oregon and lived most of my life um, there but yeah I played high school football wrestled track all that 
and uh, got a scholarship to go to Western Oregon University. Yeah. Small D2 school. Um, rugby wasn't even in my mind at that time. It was just like one of my friends was saying he was a D1 athlete because at the time our rugby team was D1, but our football <laughs> team was D2. And so me and my my other friends was like, man, let's just go out and play some rugby just so we could call ourselves D1 athletes. And pretty much from there is when rugby took off for me, ended up choosing rugby, you know, after that. Now, do you had any exposure to the game uh, in Hawaii when you were there? Um, no, I was strictly football. It was strictly football for me. Man, that's that's a that's a pretty quick uh, escalation to where you are now, going from Western Oregon to playing professionally for Austin. So once you finished up at school, what was the goal then? Like, were you still like, hey, I really want to give this rugby thing a try? What were you kind of like your internal goals that you'd set yourself? Yeah, so I actually took two years off um, from school and I was trying to figure out everything. I was dealing with a lot of injuries. Well, not a lot of injuries, but I deal, uh, dealt with uh, ACL, MCL, PCL, all that. And then took some time off to like kind of recuperate um, and regroup myself. But uh, during that time, I actually got back into rugby again. And uh, Coach James Tyson, he's the one that I played for at the club at the Willamette Valley Sharks and joining him in the club and then kind of getting more exposure to that. I had no exposure to rugby before that, which, which is surprising, but I mean, it wasn't really big here in the, the States at the time. So how does Austin find Domikina? Uh, so they actually met Todd at the time in San Diego. I actually went to San Diego for a, um, a tryout, like a one-on-one tryout. And then I actually met Todd, uh, clever. He was out there. So I, uh, talked to him, met him. And then we talked about the combine that was coming up, ended up, uh, making the combine. Um, had to put some stuff off, uh, at home in Oregon to make it to the combine. This was my first time ever in Texas and just traveling to do something like this. So it was like, yeah. my heart's racing even before I left the plane in Oregon. <laughs> but yeah ended up at the combine um you know stayed up, stayed out there for two days did the combine and then after that after the combine um, doing all the drills talked to the blacks coach and the huns coach and then obviously we were called the uh, elite herd at the time they were kind of switching between that yeah transitioning yeah. but yeah after the combine that's kind of where my life changed. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious to know, you're obviously really close with your grandma. What was the last thing she said to you before she put you on the plane to Texas? She said, if I don't make it, uh, I don't can't. come back. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Don't come back. <laughs> got to find a job or if not, then I got to join the military. <laughs> oh, you got to, you got to love like in those situations, because usually at that point, their life, their filter is just non-existent. They're just like, I'm just going to tell you exactly what I feel. I'm going to tell you from a place of experience. I've lived my life, you know, go do this and don't come back. And that little push out of the nest so you can spread your wings and flap away and fly. So well, you do well, had to combine, you sign. Last year is a bit of a shortened season. It was the first kind of, you know, introduction that the world of rugby had got to Don Makina. Mm-hmm. 
How, how were you after that five games when everything shut down? What was the, the thought process then? You stay in Austin? Did you keep training there? And like, kind of what was going through your head at that point? Well, during the whole COVID time, um, I was on calls with my grandma, of course. And then uh, my lady, who's now my fiance now, but we talked about uh, what we were going to do since we're only five games in. And um, I didn't really have money to stay out here. And I didn't have uh, a job, so I ended up going back home and kind of just uh, working on my old job before I left. And so thank goodness they they let me back. I mean, I was it's not like I was gone for a long time, like three months and then came back. They're like, all right, it's fine. But, yeah, I ended up working back there and then kind of started training kind of how where we left off with the conditioning programs and some skill work and kind of just the basics and fundamentals so and I got so much info from just those three months because yeah those three months was like the first time I actually was introduced to rugby college when I played college and club it was just it was different it was just an athlete yes yeah it was just like get the ball to Dom and I I did did not want to do that all the time but when I came to Austin, there was set pieces and a whole bunch of stuff that, and then jumping the line out, that was something new to me. Um, it's, always, it's always fun the first time you go up, right? Like, please, oh, bring, me, uh, please bring me down safe. <laughs> oh, my legs was splits in the air, everything. It's, it's, <laughs> it's different jumping, you know, in, in football and in basketball. Your legs, you could move your legs over over here in rugby. You know, you got to, they tell you to stay plumb and, and all that. And Actually, when I got into um, Austin and they told me I was going to be a forward in the forward pack, when I was jumping, I was jumping so bad they had to put bands around my knees so I could kind (laughs) of keep them straight. Yeah. You're probably kicking the two guys lifting, you know, like we got to do something. This guy can play, but I'm going to have stitches in all over my eyebrows if if it ends to keep his boots together. But all right. So season shuts down. You keep going. New coaches come in. Sam Harris, Mark Gerard. Big names in Australia, right? They've got a lot of rugby pedigree behind them. Do you remember your first conversation with Sam and Mark? Yeah, we were talking about uh, last season, and um, we really talked about work cons that I want to improve at. And um, they gave me some some feedback on my playing last year. Excuse me. Um, and they were talking about what I did good. And then what I could work on and what I could really improve. And they asked me what my goals were and where I want to be in rugby and all this. So it was, it was a, it was a good uh, first conversation that I had with them. Good man. All right. And it's been a good year. Like you kind of came into Austin at the back end of a really rough time for the, for the, the franchise. They went 0-16 in 2019. It's pretty well known. Had, had a good win to round out the year. They beat Houston before COVID mm-hmm. shut things down. But this year, you're in the playoff hunt. You're doing well on the West Coast. You've come off a big win on the weekend. Let's talk about that. What was the, the, the talk and the thought process? You, know, you, you go down and, and have another win against Houston. You need to back it up now with a big win against Toronto. Pretty desperate Toronto, right? Who are still, at this stage, mathematically, they're in the hunt in the East. They can still do it. They're going to have to go on a run. How was the yeah. week leading in Toronto? And, and you know, obviously, your thoughts on that game. Yeah, the week leading into uh, Toronto from Houston, 
we we looked on film on that and see where we could work on it, what what uh what worked for us and all this that we could uh transfer over to to Toronto. But that Toronto week, um that was a tough week. Uh not just the weather, but nailing all our plays, um, our set pieces and making sure we're in the right position. And we really wanted to work on defense. Um, that's one of our big things is defense and that line speed and everything. And incorporating all that with like the humidity and a hundred degrees, everybody had to dig, dig, um, dig deep and, you know, push each other. Cause everyone was, we was all gas and tired and, but I mean, yeah. it's easier when you have all the boys around you and everyone's fighting for, you know, the position and fighting to to get each other better. And we just we always talk about trying to just win, um, win the conference, win the conference. And so we just trying to, you know, take every game one by one, but putting as much effort, getting the most pictures and um, film we could get in so we could execute at, at our best. Now, what. You talked a little bit before talking to Sam about your goals and stuff. What, what are your personal like goals going into a game? What are you looking to do? What what what's your contribution to the Austin team? Like what to you in your mind is a good game? Uh, for me, a lot of my goals is like to play. Um, obviously, play eighty minutes at the best I can. Um, when I'm tired, I just got to keep moving and and just like get get that tired out of my head and just you know just keep driving my legs and keep moving tackling running the ball work on my tips the jumps looking at the defense kind of everything that we work in practice uh for those four days that we have and a lot of goals is like once i get the ball i i want to make game line that's pretty much everyone's you know everyone's goes game line but in my head before game is like i last year i really want wanted the ball but I was like hesitant in the beginning just because it yeah. was I, I was new so this year coming in I'm like had five games under my belt and obviously we're going to week 13 I really want to showcase what I have and so that's that's uh one of my goals is just to prove to to people that I, I belong here yep and so yeah I got a great to, great point from your game in the weekend uh, so I called the game that you you played in you go in to pick a ball at the ruck and it catches one of your teammates' feet or one of the Toronto players' feet and you knock mm -hmm. it on early. Do you remember that? Yeah. Now, normally, like a confidence player goes inside their shell a little bit and doesn't do it. But fast forward 10 minutes, you score a try right on half time there where you like go back and demand the ball again. So I think like obviously it's working for you and that, that confidence is definitely showing on the field. But I want to talk about the second try. When you score that second try, Shero Sheridan's on the wing and he sees you come and he's like, I got this guy. I'm a winger. He's a number eight. And you just go, bang, you hit the gas, go on, step inside, <laughs> fend, fend under the post. Are you thinking, I've got it, try the week right here. And then you see Lerone White and you go, God damn it, Lerone, you got to run 80 <laughs> minutes. That, What's uh, funny is he scored three minutes right after mine's too. He did. I was so <laughs> ecstatic because obviously I'm sure you guys gave him a lot of grief during the week for getting, uh, it's no shame in a front row getting run down, but it was just, the way it happened, it was kind of kind of amusing. But what what were your thoughts when you see big big Lerome pick that ball off? Did you back him? Like, be honest. Did you think, oh, he's going to make it? Or are you like, oh, no, he's going to get run down again? No, I thought he was going to – I knew he was going to make it. Let me say that. I knew he was going to make it. 
because once he read that and once he hit the the half the 50 meter and then I put my hands up right after he passed the 50 meters <laughs> I looked I looked to the right looked to the left and I was like Rome's gone we talk about it all the time at home and after practice people really don't know how fast Rome is like he's, that, he's got that some boy good has technique speed. for a big man he's got like a long stride good knee drive like he looked the goods he looks like he's been putting in some work he said he runs faster when he like lifts his head up. So that's why he runs like that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, let's talk a little bit about your teammates. Who, who are you living with? Rome and Mo. That's a good, that's a good house. Who yeah. I was, was going to say, who, who's the domesticated one out of the three of you? Who takes care of business in the house for cleaning and meals and stuff like that? I'll say, I'll say me, but Mo. Mo does it when he wants to do it, so it's on his time. Canadians. Rome, <laughs> Rome, I'll be, I'll be getting on Rome's head. I'll be getting on his case. <laughs> well, this week in particular, he's probably like, dude, you see me? You see my try? I'm not doing anything this week. You're on your own. <laughs> okay, yeah. he, right. he'd be lying to us. <laughs> we got, uh, we got Big Mace. When I asked him the golf question, uh, so I won't, I won't run you down that one. Is it? You play golf though. Yeah, I used to play um, in high school. Yeah, can you beat McGee? Build a drill. So we were supposed to set this up last year that him, Chick- the wall, out. and yeah. Marcelo was supposed to go. But I told them, let me just borrow some clubs since I don't have mine. But they always deny me. Yeah, scared. They're running scared. <laughs> Marty McGee, you know, with the, the the phantom hamstring injury against Utah. <laughs> He saw he saw Sayu Hiller warming up, two hundred and seventy pounds, big Samoan. He's like, "Oh my hands are so sore. I don't want to do it." All right, let's, let's Sounds go. Like him. Yeah, I love love you, Bill. Just kidding. Hey, uh, social media. Now Austin does a pretty good job on the social media, but out of the players, if you could recommend to the fans a must follow on Instagram, and then don't follow on Instagram, who would your two teammates be? I'll say. The to follow, you gotta yep. follow Ro- Roger Waters. Rock, yeah. Okay. He always posting food, activities, lifting. He's like everything. Roger Waters is, is the main one for that. And who wouldn't you follow? Who who's the dud? I wouldn't follow Mo because he doesn't be on social media. He he posts one thing, and since he has a droid phone, the picture will be blurry and it would be all bad. You can't even tell what he posted. Yeah. He'd be trying. We, we'd be trying to help him, but yeah, he doesn't really know how to use his phone. He's, ha- he's <laughs> got some good content in the last two weeks. He should be all over it. <laughs> He'd be late to everything on social media too. <laughs> uh, come on, Romy. All right. I'm going to give you five questions here about the city that you play for, Austin. True or false? All right. Now, do you know what Leslie Day is? No. <laughs> well, this will be good. All right. True or false? Leslie Day is celebrated on March 8th in Austin and it's to honour a much-beloved homeless crossdresser that lived there who ran for mayor. True or false? Just the way you said it, I'm going to have to say true. I know, it is true. <laughs> it is? It is true. Ran for mayor the last time was in 2003. Didn't win, but uh, 
that's obviously the narrative. Keep Austin weird. So there's uh, there is some characters that go around there. I was gonna say that's probably where the phrase came from or something. All right, true or false? Austin is the same size as New York City. False. Oh, it's true. It's the same square meters, uh, square miles as New York City. 280 square miles on the city limits for New York City and for Austin city limits. There you go. All right. True, true or false? Whole Foods was started in Austin. Ooh. I don't know, because we got Whole Foods in Oregon. So I'm going to say false. It's true again. I'm, I'm all true. If you follow the pattern, I just go, everything's true. <laughs> it was started in 1978. $45,000 started. Guess what it sold for in 2017? Amazon bought it for over $13 billion. So not bad. Holy not, bad. <laughs> not bad for overpriced health food. Right, Whole Foods? <laughs> Unless you want to sponsor Austin, then I take it all back. I love it. You're selling $10 lemonades. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Yeah. $15 box of granola. It's ridiculous. All right. Last one. I'll, I'll give you a bonus for this one. Name this famous Austin resident. I was arrested in 1999 for playing the bongos naked. Who am I? Oh. <laughs> I get a hint. Actor or uh, something? <laughs> a- actor. Owns, owns a Austin sports team now. Uh, and made his got his break in acting in a movie that was filmed in Austin. Oh, I'm terrible at this. All right, you ready? One more. I'm going to give you his first line on in movies. Ready? All right, all right, all right. Cut. All right, all right. Dom, if you don't get this, you're going to get kicked out of Austin. He said, all right, all right, all right. No, <laughs> now I'm just having a brain. I know that saying. He loves Lincoln cars. Wait, is it Kevin? Who? Wait, it's not Kevin Hart, is it? He doesn't live in Austin. But he says, all right, all right, all right, in one of his. (laughs) Matthew McConaughey. Owns Austin FC football club, the soccer team. He lives in Austin, loves it. The one that they just built, that new stadium? Yeah, the new stadium. Looks good. Oh, yeah, It's, it's nice. Yeah. All right, mate. It's been awesome. Thanks for joining us. Any uh, any final words to all the Gilgroniacs out there that are packing? I got to say, you guys have really done a great job. The fans coming into Bold Stadium, atmosphere was unreal. Came across really well. Are you noticing it playing? Oh yeah. When we came out at halftime, this past game, I looked at the crowd and I had to like double take. I was like, wow, that's the most people I've ever seen. You know, for the two years I've been here, or a year and a half, but yeah, I was. It's it's because the the media team, Austin Willis, and you know all of them, Dustin, they all promoting yeah. a lot. Doing a great job. Yeah, and you know who else is doing a great job? I ask you this: Who would you least rather be locked in a room with, mm-hmm. Lerone White or Noxie? Lerone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Noxie, we love him. He was great. <laughs> Oh, yeah. All right, Dom. It's been awesome having you on the show, brother. Keep playing. I'm honestly so impressed with the way you've been playing. It, it, it blows my mind learning that you are so new to the game. Um, 
sky's the limit, mate. Keep keep learning, keep listening, keep humble and keep doing what you're doing. It's been amazing to watch you play and loving what Austin are doing this year on and off the field. Thank you. Appreciate you for having me. It's an honor. Say hi to grandma for me. Will do. Thank you. Thanks, mate. What a story. I, I'm actually looking forward to meeting grandma one day once we, we get you know back to stadiums and stuff. Sounds like an amazing woman. Yeah, I mean, I am... Um, I'm a, a huge admirer of, of Dom. I think he's got so much potential. And, you know, when, when people look at the athleticism that's, that's in the US, right, and you see this guy who was a scholarship to a D2 school and you see how athletic he is, um, I think the, uh, that's when people get really excited about the potential. Um, but it's more than that, right? It's not just being a good athlete. It's being a good learner. It's being a good teammate and I think um Dom's all of those and and you know he's got great coaches down there you in in Austin I mean this guy this guy is gonna I mean I think he's gonna go to the next World Cup yeah and I think there's a lot of Dom McKinnas out there that just haven't seen rugby as a, a legitimate pathway but with MLR as it continues to grow now it's not even like it's not even like oh I've got to go play club rugby in Portland Oregon right it's like, no, I can go to this combine, put up ridiculous numbers, play That's professional right. rugby. And it's only going to get easier and easier to make that transition. Like you, you heard Dom say, like, scary, like jumping on a plane and going down there. Not, not many guarantees. Texas, but right? First time in Texas. Texas. Yeah. All right. So let's keep moving on. Tactics. MLR tactics. Let's jump into the lab with the professor now. Pressure two, four points. Explain that yeah, to so me, this Peter. Is- this is something that's come up. You know, I get to chat to some um, some of the MLR coaches throughout the week and, and talk to them. And, and one of the big themes that I'm hearing from coaches is the challenges that teams have in turning pressure into points, right? And what that means is one of the one of the metrics that teams will track is entries into the opposition 22, right? So once you have the ball and you're, you're in the opposition 22, you want to walk away with points. You've got the ball, you're in there 22. And so a lot of a lot of teams like Seattle had this problem. Austin have had this problem. Nola have had this problem. They've got the ball into the 22, but they haven't been able to score. And I think it's really interesting for me when I look at the decisions that teams make inside the 22, which is often not to take the points, mm-hmm. but to go for the lineout. But for the lineouts to be inconsistent, and therefore you don't always walk away with the points. So if you want to turn pressure into points, take the kick. Right. And I think that as we get down, Dan, into some of these crunch games, I think that what we're going to see is more kicking for points because people are going to they early on in the season, you're like, yeah, we'll win, we'll score tries, we'll we'll do all that sort of stuff. But I think as the pressure gets on, I think you'll see people taking more shots at goal, taking those three points. Right. Um, there's lots of good kickers that are very consistent that you can do it and not going with the gamble of the line-out. The, the other issue that you have is if you go for the line-out, you get them all the more stopped, you're now in a really terrible shape to attack, and it's mm-hmm. just a grind, right? Yeah. And, and I think that, like, the, some of the breakdown is really messy down there. There's been, there. There was a number of times that there were somehow turnovers and pick-and-goes because someone got a breakdown steal, like on the, I'm like, how do you, how does that even happen? 
because all of your support is all around the ball. But there are a couple of times when someone was able to turn the ball over right there. So, so for me, I think one of the interesting things around the tactics that teams are going to have is I think we'll see in some of these crunch games, right? You'll see people take the points more. They'll take those kicks more and they, and they, and they won't kick to touch. Yeah. I, I'm a big believer in the points and maybe and rugby obviously is evolving and the bonus points play a big part of it. And, and being entertaining plays a big part in it as well. But um, like three points and you keep adding it and adding it turns into six, nine, 12. Think, yeah. So I think one of the challenges, so, so there's a couple of reasons why people won't take the three points. So one is they might feel like defenses aren't as evolved in MLR. So there's more chances to score. But the other issue that a lot of MLR teams are having is kick receipts. Kick receipts are a real turning point and teams are unable to exit their half, right? Um, so when you end up doing, um, when, when you are getting those three points, but the outcome of the kick receipt is a scrum to the other team in your half, you're like, I really should have taken the five because the, the risk isn't as good. So I think we're like, like when I, and, and if you hear me call games, I'll harp on it because as a coach, it's something that I learned out of like pain and loss. Is <laughs> what, what a like what a turning point is you score a try and the ball comes, right? You field it cleanly and you kick, and all of a sudden it's like a line out to the opposition just outside your 22. Like yeah. that's just not not like like now you're under pressure again. So I think there's a piece of it that's that as well. So I think people are looking at it, but I'm I'm with you. Take the, like you're playing in New York, you're playing in LA, you're playing in Atlanta. Take those points because those are good defenses that are hard to, on Austin. Those are good defenses that are hard to score against. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, if you miss 22, get the ball back. Right. You know, take it back down there, put the pressure on, go again. Seems kind of simple. All right, let's go through the lineup for this weekend. Uh, big weekend of games coming up. Kicks off on Saturday, 2.30 Eastern, CBS Sports Game of the Week. It's Utah on the road against New York. Later that day, NOLA will be at Toronto. And that will be on TSN up in Canada and then the Rugby Network everywhere else. Houston and Atlanta cap things off. It's actually a doubleheader in Atlanta this weekend. So good value for money for fans in Atlanta. So get down there and watch that one. That will be on AT&T Sportsnet in uh, Houston. And then... Uh, Wattle in Rattle, W-A-T-L, for the Rattlesnakes, and then TRN everywhere else. Sunday, we've got a late, two late games, actually. LA at San Diego, that'll be a great game. We're back at Torero for that one, so great place to watch rugby. So San Diego fans finally have a team back in San Diego at Torero Stadium. So that one's at 6 p.m. on Fox Sports 2. And late game Sunday, Austin on the road to Seattle, KBDO in Austin, Root Sports in the Pacific Northwest, and the Rugby Network everywhere else. Pete, three games for you this weekend. Three games. You're, you're going to be all right? Hopefully. Hopefully. Right. Like, like, you know, the fam, like, we're also having a no kids night out on Friday night before I fly out to um, Austin on Saturday morning. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Easy. Easy. Make sure you don't miss your uh, miss your flight. Yeah, yeah. All right, stats boy, come on in. What do you got for us, buddy? Well, um, Pete and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I tried to be really complicated about a stat. I was trying to figure out the maximum amount of tackles. 
that a team can make and they would still win the game. Well, that obviously got blown way out of the water a couple of weeks ago when um, Atlanta, Atlanta yeah. <laughs> made 225 yeah, Atlanta tackles. Game. Yeah, was like <laughs> I was like, so I, I tried to figure that out and it, it just didn't work. But um, the number, uh, no, before I get to the number of the week, uh, we have a Georgian prop that got called back for the yeah. summer test series. Nikolos Katayashvili has been recalled for um, Georgia Let's uh, for uh, the Lilos. So that's really cool. Um, number of the week is 12. 12. Do we have to guess why? Um, I mean, it's. I hope you don't have to guess 12. too bad. The number of ex Sabercats were scoring tries and Houston not scoring any. <laughs> Justin, no. <laughs> sorry, Houston. Sorry. Um, no, it's, it has to do with Houston, though. Um, Does. Yeah. 12, 12. Pete, 12, Houston. Um, total number of wins? No. Um, that's where they rank in defense and attack. Oh, 12 out of 12. They are. Oh, <laughs> so so. Before you get into the preview uh, uh, and your picks, uh, just just think about that. But um, to go over where we stand right now um, on Super Brew, I, I don't uh, think we have to. <laughs> I, I don't think we have to. So, so I would say I did the least bad of the three of us. I only went. I went down one spot um, from fourteenth to fifteenth. Pete made some questionable decisions and he's, he's, in, he's trying to find himself to the bottom third of, he's being, he's being of, generous of the like, league. Like, he's trying to come up with a description that doesn't say that Pete's lost. Uh, <laughs> but Pete went down five to 36. Uh, I would say of the three of us, the worst for, well, actually, Dan, you only dropped two spots. Um, yeah. So you're still in the top 10. You're at eight. Um, but uh, it, I would say that um, Larry is is giving up a lot of ground right now. He's uh, he's, he's getting uh, mowed down by Bob, only, isn't he? Yeah, Bob is uh, only 3.3 points behind Larry. We oh. could have... Uh, See, that's his focus at the top of the table. You know? Um, so that's, de- uh, who is dead last, Aaron? Like, dead last, um, it's got to be someone who just doesn't make picks anymore. P wagon sixty. Oh, no, oh no. so so you're saying the only way someone's below me is if they stop making picks. Um, so I want to say that um, P wagon sixty hasn't made any picks in a while, but he's, if he's we go all the way there. down to forty seven, um, someone just got dropped down to forty seven. So and they dropped down two spots. So you don't lose points like you just gain them so that means we in our league we at least have 47 people still picking um in the in the league so that's kind of cool let's get pete to last by the end of the year how do we do (laughs) i I don't need any help yeah i mean i mean i probably need the people at the bottom to stop making picks that's the only way like like every so so i made a couple of hunches in, in 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 last week right so i i moved what i do i moved um my nola pick to dc and i um and i moved my utah pick to san diego um and i think i moved my new york pick to i mean it's literally like just a list of picks the only thing that i got right was la and new england and austin and those were like 
relatively easy picks. All the difficult picks, I, I, I did poorly. Sorry, Pete. All right, let's get our picks in this week. Utah on the road at New York. What are you thinking? This is going to be a great game. Um, you know, Utah have a good defense. New York um, playing really well. I, I feel I feel like Utah might have a little bit more firepower, right? So I think that, like, I, I think Utah have a more explosive um, unit. I think they can score more points. I think that they probably have a better, um, they have better depth. We talked about that. I think New York have a better defense. This might be a little bit of conditions. Like, I know we always say, hey, we want to look at the lineup. But this might actually be a conditions thing. If it's wet, then I think... It's meant, to, it's like, meant to rain. It's meant that they're expecting heavy rain. So then, uh, then that, that, that makes me lean towards New York. I think, I think it'll be, if it's raining, I think it leads to the team that can play a really good tactical game. And we saw Seattle kind of pick Utah apart um, with, with their kicking tactics. I think New York might have the, uh, um, the ability to do that. So, yeah, if it's raining, I think I'll go to New York and I'll probably go something like 22-20. But if it's dry, I'll go with Utah. Yeah, Utah only won twice on the road this year. Yeah, they yeah, Austin no, round yeah. one and then they, um, they beat, we just did Seattle yeah. uh, two weekends ago. So yeah. that is, that's a long road trip to New York as well. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a hard one. Uh, going through your playoff implications, I feel like New York really probably need this worse than Utah do. I think that's right. So I'll, I'll go for a little home cooking, just New York on that one. All right, Nola at Toronto. Now you're calling this one with Kit McConico, the king of Texas. What do you come for making a pick, or you want to sit this one out? Um, I'll I'll sit this this one out. I'll tell tell Aaron, but I'll talk about the game, right? So I think that some of this is going to be about the mindset of Toronto, right? So they're out fundamentally. They're out of the playoffs, right? And um. They've been on the road a long time. Like it's going to be for Chris Silverthorne, it's going to be a real challenge to motivate these guys. Um, I think Nola come in with a lot to play for. I mean, who knows? Like maybe uh, um, Nate might give you a call to go and play fly half for them, Dan. Ooh. So, like he's like, better off doing that might, himself. <laughs> they've got some like like who knows if if Nola can have. 23 that he can even put out there they're they're injured they're so injury raveled so there's a little bit for me about you know what's the motivation of toronto and 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 how chris silverthorne gets that team up and then you know how healthy and Ola going into that game yeah 4 30 kickoff too for that one so it should be quite warm but coming from new orleans i don't think that's going to bother them as much as it can some other teams um nola with more to play for but uh, I'd have to take a look at rosters. Some, some reinforcements coming in for Toronto this weekend. So you'd have to think. Uh, I, I mean, I think, look, if, if I, like, one of the things, if, if I'm Chris Silverthorne and, and, and the attitude of the Arrows to be able to support the, the Canadian national team, like, you might finally see Lucas Rumble get a weekend off, right? Help him prep for the, you know, July tests. Um, they've got like they've got reinforcements, but a number of those reinforcements are guys that come out of the Pacific Pride program, which is like the rugby kind of developmental stuff. They have some guys, some other guys coming in too. Um, I think um, I heard Rob Rauer um, is someone that's that's that, that's coming down. So um, you know, I think that there's 
you know, they, they will be better. And I think that energy will be important for them. So it'll be interesting to see how those guys get integrated. Big rock and Rob Brower. Good to see him back. Yeah. I, I, I got a feeling that this might be the Toronto game where they, I think they're going to have a couple of wins down the stretch. I don't know who it's going to be, but I got a feeling this, this may be it. I, I, if I was putting money on the game, I'd slide it on Toronto. But my, my something in, inside is telling me that... Uh, sorry, I'd put it on NOLA if I was putting right. money on the game. But something's telling me that Toronto it, might... It's MLR 2021, right? So when you're absolutely yeah. certain NOLA are going to win, then Toronto pull it off, right? That's just kind of like what the season's been like. Yeah, you, know, you flip a coin and then burn the coin, r- turn the ashes into tea, read the tea leaves, and then do your best. All right. Houston at Atlanta. You're doing this one as well with Kip, oh. right? All right, fence it again. I'll go first on this one. Uh, it's easy. ATL. It's just like 12. Aaron just told us. Strobro. 12. It's like 12 best attack against probably systematically one of the best defenses we've seen in Major League Rugby. Just not cracking uh, cracking that one. I'll, I'll go ATL on this one. You know, Especially after their loss too. I think I, I feel like this this... Scott Lawrence has probably circled this game. Haven't seen Matt Heat in the last few weeks. I think we'll play this weekend. He's probably got this game as like, this is kind of like our cushion to the playoffs yeah, here. Right. I, I think I think this is an important game for ATL, right? So if they don't win this, then they really open the door to others. Um, I, I think it would be interesting to see how like Heels deals with the end of the season. Like there's the announcement that he's not going to be returning next year. Um you know, I know he's got a great relationship and he's well-respected down there in Houston. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, whether you get into a Seattle kind of thing where you start seeing some of the younger guys getting more time, checking them out. They're thinking about rosters for next year. Um, you know, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see some of those selections. I mean, you can also say, hey, look, you know, these guys have worked really hard and we want to finish, right? And we want to finish strong and then we'll worry about next year, next year. So it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of manage that. Yeah, that will be interesting. All right, moving on. Uh, LA, San Diego. I know you can pick this one, but do you want to? Uh, I mean, I think this is going to be, I think, a really, really good game. I, I, I think San Diego playing at home, they're getting healthy. Rob Shaw had a great game last week. Um, you know, I think that their pack's really good. I think, they've got, I think they've got a pack that can stand up to the real quality LA pack. I think their defense has got better. Like San Diego were 20 minutes away from being right in the middle of the playoff mix and this being like a great a game. Um, what you don't want to do with San Diego is you don't want to slip up and have Utah and Austin slip up and not be able to take advantage of it, right? So um, yeah. this is going to be, I think, a great game of rugby. I thought the San Diego-Utah game, I thought... San Diego played probably their best rugby that they have all season for 60 minutes. Um, they need to turn that into 80 minutes against LA. Uh, I think LA pulls this one out, but I think it's one of these games where San Diego can live with them in that first 20 minutes when LA tries to blitz you. And it's going to be like those like three or four games where LA is just going to be close. So I think LA yeah. wins this, but I think LA wins it like 24, like 17. I was going to say, I think you'll know the winner of this game after 20 minutes. Right. Because if LA Blitzkrieg and, and get that 20-minute surge and, and get points on, it's going to be a tough one for San Diego. San Diego hold tight. They like I had their run. I had them losing one game in that run, and it was this this game that I'm like, this could be theirs. It's tough. LA is a really good team. But then having them lose to Utah, now this becomes like they cannot lose this game. 
that's dangerous in, in both senses. A, the, the pressure can either turn you into a diamond or it just crushes the coal. Right. It's gone. Little little uh, geology there for everyone at home. But uh, I'll, I'll go uh, and push my money, LA. I think LA will get it done. Uh, all right, last one, Austin, Seattle. Big boy, you're doing this one too? I am. Man, the- you are busy this weekend, Professor. Busy this weekend. Lemon, honey, tea. You want to keep the vocal cords nice and lubricated. You don't want to stress yourself. Uh, Austin have to win this game, no doubt about it. Seattle are out. So the rosters will be very interesting to see exactly what Alan Clark does, whether he's going well, to just I mean, give I think, a bunch think- of kids a shot and that'll play into Austin's favour. If he's still going to say, hey, we're going to be competitive, let's, let's ruin some seasons. I could see Seattle winning this game up there. I can see. So I can definitely see Seattle winning this game. I think um, Clark, he's got, got this. He's got a combination that works. I thought Yamada played really well this past weekend. And he's a real live wire. It's something they haven't really had in that back line is someone that can really create on his own. Um, I think the challenge that Seattle have is that Austin have a really, really good defense. And I think they probably have the slight edge in the set piece. So I'm not sure that Seattle can score enough points. Um, and I've been impressed with Austin the last couple of weeks with the points that they've been able to score. Um, I think Austin are going to get more healthy as they as, as they go in. But I, I agree with you. I think Seattle, look, their the last two games, they've played playoff contenders and played them to a standstill. They've, they've played yeah. them to the last play of the game, right? Yeah. So, so this is not... This is not the Seattle team of earlier this season. This is a Seattle team that can beat anyone. And so I think that, like, if I, I think it's a little, the end of the season will be a little bit different for Seattle because they would have already kind of like mourned for their season a couple of weeks ago where they knew that they weren't going to make it. And now they're yeah. just excited to be able to play fun rugby. You know what it's like, Dan? Like, as a player, you like to play good rugby. And when you're playing good rugby, it's fun. And I think Seattle are now playing good rugby. So, so like I'm not I'm not going to call this one. I think Austin have some edges, but I didn't see the Seattle team can play with anyone right now. Yeah, Lockie McCaffrey uh, in town now for Austin as well. So that back row of McCaffrey, uh, Jones, and Akina, it's a yeah. pretty good back row. We got some great back rows in Major League Rugby. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go I'll go Austin in this one. I just they've got more to play for, and I think in that last 20 minutes when you dig deep and that Seattle bench still is, is a little uh, worrisome where I think Austin have a pretty good front row with, you know, Hugh Roach came off the bench and, and you've got Patty Ryan, Jamie McIntosh, but then you can bring some other guys on as well. Hopefully we see another 90 meter effort from Lerone White. Why not? The good stuff. So Austin in this one, plus it keeps the playoff race just a little bit more exciting too. Right. All right, Pete, any, uh, any reviews? Oh, I have been so like the euros are really affecting my ability to do the work, catch up on MLR. It's, it's been a problem. That's um, all right. Oh, but we do have, we do have some reviews that we didn't um, call out last week. Right. We had Were they birthday reviews for you still. Well, I mean, I mean, I think they're all reviews for me, Dan. So I think, I think it's, I think they were still birthday. Well, let's have a look. Oh, yeah. So um, I can't remember which ones. You know, I feel like I'm doing the producer's job, Dan. Do you think I'm doing the producer's job? Uh, you should be paid right. for the producer's job too. 
He's giggling. Ah, so yeah. ah. There he is. Ah. <laughs> so, um, oh. So we, we have a Seawolves fan. I don't think we read this out last time. No, we haven't. Read it out. Read it out. Okay. Pete, Dan, and Aaron provide great point of view. Who, who's Aaron again? Pete, Strive Dan, right. and Aaron. Stat oh, boy. Sorry. On, on MLR with access to teams and players along with great analysis week to week. Keep up the great work and happy birthday, Pete. Bam. It was a big one. It was 50. I'll, I'll let you celebrate for a whole month. That's fair Thank enough. You. No more Pete birthday reviews, people. Cut it out. Aaron, when, when's your birthday, hey, Aaron? Do, Maybe hey, we can hey. parlay that. We've no, got a I've long way. I think we might be doing preseason stuff when that happens. Oh, okay. So, so let's do this, Dan, because I know there's been on social media some comments about my inability to keep up with um, your pop culture references. Yeah. So I would ask that let's get, if people have pop, pop culture references that they would like Dan to include in MLR kickoff, leave it in a review and he'll include it. There you go. I like that. The more the better. So Dan can actually like have to do research on it. No, see, that's the problem. I don't have to. I'm so in tune with pop culture. You would have to research. All right. So, 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 all right. We'll, we'll give a shout out to any review that has a pop culture um, uh, um, request that Dan doesn't know. Good luck. And all the others, all the others will just include. Challenge accepted. (laughs) Good luck. All of you out there, bring it on. All right, that wraps us up for another show. For the Professor Pete Steinberg, our producer, Aaron Castro, I'm Dan Power. This has been the MLR Kickoff. Episode 94 of MLR Kickoff, brought to you by shopmlr.com, powered by The Rugby Shop.